Hi, uh, Kreuzo. Hello and welcome to the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. This week we travel back to Pembrokeshire to meet and talk to one of Cricket Wales's community coaches. So let's not waste any time and head out west. Okay, it's a very warm welcome uh, to the podcast to Rick Walton, a community coach with uh, Cricket Wales, Cricket Cymru in Pembrokeshire. Hello, Rick. Good morning, good morning. Nice to see you. Um, we've got quite a lot that we're going to talk about, I think, including uh, various uh, monikers that you have and uh, some of your writing and so on. But before we Thank do all of that, tell us a little bit about you, your childhood, your family, your introduction to sport and, and perhaps introduction to cricket as well. I was born in sunny Grimsby, which generally kills a conversation stone dead, but it's true. And I'm kind of proud of that. I'm proud of my family. Everybody is. but I am wonderful family. My granddad became a huge hero for, for obvious reasons, actually. Um, he played for Man United and then he played for Doncaster Road, but actually not in that order. He finished up as he, he was a pro footballer at Manchester United in the 20, late 20s, 30s, finished up at Grimsby Town, which is why we are from that area. Ultimately, he, he married the very wonderful um, Nancy Elizabeth Dodsworth, my grandma, bless her. Uh, we actually live in frankly, a medium posh sort of village on the edge of Grimsby. Not because we were stinking rich, we weren't, but my mum and dad both worked very hard. They were teachers, both very sporty. And we lived, yeah, 28.4 yards away from the British Legion field, up to our necks in in sport, particularly football, I've got to say. There was cricket there. My mum was Hong Kong ladies tennis champion. My dad was very good sportsman he was really proud of the fact that he was British Army 400 metres or sorry 400 yards it would be wasn't it champion he also he was born in Macclesfield south of Manchester huge Man City fan can I drop this one in because this is important you'll get this thing he the story is and he told me this and I'm sure it's true he turned down schoolboy forms at Man City like you would do that now right because he really wanted to play fullback for Sale RFC we just spent all day, every day, playing football mainly uh, on the field 30 yards from the house. Magic. And you and your brothers, um, did you play representative football or play for a local club? Or We played for the wonderfully named Royal British Legion Sunday Football Club, Healing. That's the village that we lived in and loved it from the age of about 15, as soon as you were big enough to play men's football. Did that together. Um, myself and Chris were pretty decent, you know, so played to, to semi-pro standard, let's say, um, and so played representatives, of, yeah, for the county, whether or not that was Lincolnshire, and they became Humberside, actually. So, yeah, did plenty of that. Um, and not just football, actually, basketball as well. I loved that as well at that, at that time and, and got into cricket. Um, but it was, yeah, it was very sporty, um, in a way that just feels absolutely magic, wonderful still. And sporting heroes? <sighs> then, um, definitely, we were all big into Grimsby Town, okay? So my grandfather played there, we would go. In the 70s, I'm maybe talking now, early 70s um, in particular, when sadly, really, football hooliganism, hooliganism was a real deal. You know, even at that lower level, town were in, Division four, three, um, but it was it was a kind of factor. Um, 
So there were players at Grimsby Town who nobody would know, Stuart Brace, Matt Tease. Um, on the biggest uh, scheme, because my dad loved football, he was Man City. There was this, we did have this thing in the family where you kind of had to choose your own team a bit. I don't know if that was a rivalry thing, maybe. Quite psychologically interesting, maybe. But all four lads had a different team. Um, so we went to sit, sit my eldest brother, Chris, was Man United. I was Everton. I was absolutely fanatical Everton fan for 20-something years. Still follow them to some extent. Um, but we would go to Derby, um, Notts Forest, and maybe Leicester, because they were all within 90 miles, should we say. And my dad booked fair play to him. We'd take three or four sums with him. Um, we got we were on the front page of the Derby Pink in about 1971, something like that, maybe. Um, because of this, this, this deaf bloke from Grimsby with his three lads. Um, so all that rich, you know, fabulous stuff was, yeah, it was important was, was what we did, what we did. And after school, uh, university for you or straight into work? What? My father died um, age 44, which is just ridiculous and cruel, um, of a, a massive cardiac arrest. I don't mind sharing this with people because sadly there will be people out there who've got something similar. He actually died playing badminton with his mates on a Sunday night. And it, um, yeah, still chokes us all now. Um and, and that was that was massive. And I, and I mentioned it for two or three reasons. One of which it probably did turn me into a fairly angry or certainly punky kind of geezer because it was that era. And it was that kind of, I'm talking, yeah, 78, 79, something like that. So I was pretty determined not to fall into society's mores and go to university and stuff like that. Needed to go and work, actually. So I did all kinds of daft jobs briefly in Grimsby. And then a lady called Jane Bell, who ran a hotel down here that we'd already found because we'd been coming to Pembrokeshire for seven or eight years by this stage, by the time I was 16 or something like that. She phoned me up and literally said, Rick, I know you're a very young, angry young geezer. Do you want to come down and work at our hotel for a while and just see? And basically, I've been, I've been in Pembrokeshire ever since. So I, I did all kinds of jobs at that hotel, ran the bar for some years, found the local football club at Solva. From the age of about 20-odd, so best part of 40 years, I've been in Pembrokeshire and loved it ever since. And cricket, how did cricket or how okay. does cricket begin to emerge as something uh, big in your life? It wasn't until my son, aged about, I'm guessing, eight or nine, said, Dad, some of the lads are going to Alpha West Cricket Club. Can I go? And obviously I said, of course you can, mate. I'll take it. And I went... And I met Andrew Phillips and Daffy and Simon Williams and various other fabulous, you know, cricket guys and gals and threw the ball back three times. And somebody said, have you played a little bit? Would you help a little bit or can you support the team a bit? So I just fell into coaching, volunteered at Alfred West Cricket Club for, again, I'm guessing seven or eight years or something, um, just running teams. Loved that. At no moment did I ever suspect that there would be a cricket job in that, not for one moment. And then suddenly there was a paper, an advert in the paper and everybody, Pembrokeshire Cricket, applied for this job and Muggins got it. You know, I became community cricket coach for Pembrokeshire basically 10 years ago. Uh, hugely grateful for that. 
I do think coaching really is about reading the human, the, the, the guy or gal in front of you, boy, man, woman in front of you, as much as it's about technical knowledge. Um, my technical knowledge has become decent. Again, I absolutely stress there are far better, far more cricket-wise and wise in every way, uh, people coaching cricket than I am. But I like to think I listen to people well, you know, particularly kids maybe. That's just that's where I've landed and that's wonderful. And kind of give them time and make, you know, the attention and the, the bants, the fun. You know, it's absolutely surely about being, maybe being bold enough to be daft to make people laugh so they really do enjoy it. And then you can get, get them on board with lots of other stuff, I get, you know. Um, so I'm happy to be a junior coach, which, which is what I am mainly, back on the Cricket Wells pathway, looking forward to that. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about that uh, coaching role that you have? How, how does it work? What are the, bri- the sort of blocks that fit together to make, make that yeah. job work? What we do mostly, mostly is go into primary school. The brief is clearly it's to enthuse children for cricket, boys and girls, very much both. We really do get trained well to try and be bigger than that, be bigger than cricket. So make it about communication skills and you know confidence building, as well as the obvious coordination, the sportiness of it. But in practical terms, it's basically I tentatively go in uh, and run sessions of towards an hour for children who may be three or four, or maybe nine, ten, or eleven. There is a wonderful ladies' league in Pembrokeshire that's been ongoing for. That's part of 30 years, I think. And I do I do have the privilege now of knowing quite a few of the women involved in that. I coach some of them pre-season. The mission, if you like, then was to try and get some more teenage girls into that league. Love doing that. That was great. And I say kind of influential because it just made me think, you know, these women absolutely love it. They are really dedicated. They are really good, quite a lot of them. You know, it just seems crazy that they were chronically at that stage under-supported. But those things are changing, right? I'm not saying it's where it needs to be, but those things have profoundly changed on, in terms of professional cricket and locally. To give you an example here, Pembroke League has gone from four women's or ladies' teams, 10 this year, which is just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't want to lose sight of this. They say never work with uh, animals or children. Um, have you got any stories that uh, have come out of your uh, time in schools? Any uh, particular rapscallions that you've come across? or? Well, there are always those. There are always kids who, you know, um, are a challenge. Shall I put that in, in inverted commas? Um, this whole thing about sport transforming and just enabling, I'm so on board with that. I know it, it, I know it sounds, again, like some kind of soundbite, but absolutely. I see, you know, those kinds of kids who really are football hooligan equivalents, if you like, who don't have opportunity or, and I'm not knocking the schools necessarily here, obviously, but they, you know, they, the stuff that's happening up on the whiteboard in front of them in class is literally like a foreign language they just can't get into. And yet they're still valuable, brilliant, often brilliant um, individuals who've got these wonderful stories of their own. So, I, you know, I kind of, I, I feed off that every day. It's hilarious sometimes, you, you, you know, you do have kids who just, whatever you give them, they want to throw it over the fence as soon as you've got, they've got it. You know, it does happen. You try and manage that with a bit of humour and there's generally a teacher there to help. But, you know, um, but I don't feel that my job going in is to be the, that shouty policeman. 
I can't, I don't swerve that, but it's not my job sort of thing. My job is to make those kids think this guy is so good and so funny, hopefully, because that is part of it. It's, it's, it's kind of a performance that they really want to get stuck into this daft game that's going on, you know, just make, get generate some kind of buzz around that. Uh, and that's, you know, I'm, that's not just my experience. That's anybody who goes into schools. That's our jobs. And most of us love doing it. And, and it is, I do think it's quite kind of profound in the sense of the opportunity that it did, does put in front of kids who maybe particularly, maybe particularly the kids who can't do the other stuff that just can't, you know, compete, if you like, at the, re, at the level of intellectual challenge, should we put it that way, that, that most, most of the kids can. So I do, I, I do love all that stuff, actually. Like many people these days, uh, I got to know about you through the wonderful world of Twitter. And one of the things that anybody who, who perhaps follows you will, will see immediately is your, your moniker, Cricket Man Wales. Where did that come from? Okay, got to say a couple of things on it. Obviously, painfully, obviously, I don't have the privilege of being born in Wales, right? I've been here for 40 years and it really is my home. My kids brought up here. They are Welsh speaking. I'm learning Welsh. Um, but I'm as a, as a Welshman, I'm a fraud, aren't I, obviously? Um, and I feel guilty about that to some extent. However, this did happen. It still does happen. I go, I think it first happened maybe at a school in Milford. I went in, started doing some sessions. After a week or two, I go back. And I remember really clearly walking into the school. And there are two or three kids. At least one of them was a proper little hooligan, actually. But he was waving at the gate, doing the cricket man, cricket man thing. And we're genuinely, you know, quite touching, thrilled that this daft bloke was coming in again to do some more cricket. Um, so it did come from that. By this stage, I was also probably thinking about doing the blogging thing. I, honestly, I didn't overthink it. If I had, I maybe wouldn't have done the thing that made me sound like I was proper Welsh. I failed that test, as you can see. Um, yeah, I, I, I went onto WordPress.com, I think. CricketmanWales.com was available. I did that. It was as kind of simple as that. Well, and plus, genuinely, I am proud to support the Cricket Wales work that I do. Um, so that was part of it. But, it, but it, yeah, it was, it was kids shouting, cricket man, cricket man. That was the thing that did it. You've mentioned already how great you think the development and the growth of women's cricket in Pembrokeshire is. Yeah. You have uh, quite a significant part of your writing has been about England uh, women's cricket team. And I know yeah. that you've, uh, you've had credentials to cover uh, international women's cricket. Can you tell us a little bit about your connection with, with, uh, with all of that? I've got a daughter. She's sporty. I genuinely think it's important to support uh, female cricket, let's call it that, yeah. And I do that wholeheartedly every day in schools. I've, I've seen uh, and coached uh, young girls, some of whom are really good players. And, you know, and I expect to go and play for Wales and beyond. Um, that's exciting. In terms of the writing about women's cricket, I was very fortunate to get ECB accreditation um, on the basis of my blog, probably, and the Cricket Wales Connection. Very grateful to how that happened. And I've been able to sustain that. I've, got, I've had this one little mini boast. I've had two mentions in Wisdom, which is pretty cool, actually. And so, yeah, I got ECB accreditation. Now, in a sexist world, and I, I am guilty of this as well, we both will be, right? We're both middle-aged fellas. 
we get this wrong, definitely, but I'm pretty clear that it is a sexist universe. And one prime example which I ran into was uh, the fact that about four or five years ago, hardly anybody journalism-wise, I'm talking journalists or whatever, uh, I think of myself as a bloggist, not a journalist. Uh, I'm not a journalist, but hardly anybody wanted to go. Hardly anybody supported even in England women into, at an international level, which I thought was just weird and crazy. So I started applying. Um, again, I'm not getting paid to do this, so I would be I would be going to Cardiff or Bristol or Taunton or Gloucester or Worcester to see any England women matches that I could get my hands on, effectively. And there was I, I there was never any issue for an equivalent England men's match. I might have got it but I was absolutely going to get it for the women's games. Sadly, there were only about four or five journalists. They weren't interested. So it was easy to be blunt about it. Um, and I really wanted to be there to get in to see those matches. So I did. And it was, it's been fantastic. And I do really love going. It's really enjoyable. Uh, I love the fact that the profile is better and the women are getting treated much better, paid much better. Long may that continue. I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping it does. You've already mentioned your writing. Can you tell me a little bit more about what your writing is for you? What you're trying to do with it, or why it comes? Or, or... it's just something that I do. I've always written things. I know it sounds incredibly pretentious or whatever, but for me, it's always been kind and natural to write songs and deaf things like that. I've been a guitar player for for 50 odd years 40 something years a bit so that kind of stuff just feels like a natural thing to do and I do love the sport beyond that honestly I think I just think there's something lovely about being involved and making some kind of contribution and mine is daft and I know lots of people are going to think what is all that about but also quite a few people think interesting first and foremost be maybe even quite good and see maybe you know a little different to to the journalism that I know I'm not doing. Um, so I've never been ambitious about it. I've just always done it. And, and, and as you know, I've literally just finished writing a book, which I'm, tr I'm trying to go, I'm going to go and try and get published literally today. I've sent it off to an agent, never done. Well, I have done that before, I see, but, um, you know, so it's, it's just part of the, yeah, a contribution that I don't think this is just me. I think we all, I, there is something, in the whole bansiness thing, the, everybody, we all love to have, stick our oar in, don't we, about, you know, what is Bearstow doing at the moment or what is, you know, um, whoever doing, football, cricket-wise or whatever, all those opinions. I love all that. It, it, I think it's entertaining, funny, and I, and I, I hope that I um, contribute to that with a little bit of mischief as well. As, I know there's a certain amount of pomp going on, but it's just, a, yeah, it's just a contribution to all that all the support, it's like having a pint of beer in the pub and, you know, saying, I can't stand Harry Kane at the moment because he's backing into centre-halves or all that stuff. Uh, feels like natural territory. Anybody who's who's read a number of your blogs, which I have, it will be struck with the fact that you don't just talk about cricket, you don't just talk about sport, you try and no. bring in... Um, a degree of uh, philosophy or, or wider sort of morals into the work that you're doing. I, I was reminded this morning when I was thinking about asking you about this was the CLR James quote, what do they know of cricket who only cricket know? 
do you really feel that that's something it's important that you you use cricket as a way to try and understand the world yeah absolutely absolutely um great quote one of the benefits of being a relatively little known bloggist is that i can go and do my own thing you know if i if i was writing for the guardian i wouldn't be able to do that in the same way so it's yeah i, I think i probably enjoy that freedom but can't stop myself because i think this stuff is important as well i think these are all valid stories that um that i you know i see them playing out on the cricket pitch um you've recently tweeted about your your, your memoir which you've you you've written i think you're calling it a memoir um the dots will not be joined is that uh tell us a little bit about that title and why it's there um do you know what? i'm not calling it a memoir because that's uh, i'm not sure if i'm ready for that um it's just, I'm going to use the word journal on it. I think I've already been advised. Yeah, it's called the, the Dots Will Not Be Joined. And that is about what we're just talking about. I think the fact that life is some crazy rich tapestry and we see a lot of that happening through cricket, football. The book is about both. So, and yet much of this is unexplainable. Much of my writing, as you've said, I hope points to wider things but it's you know it's just so it's centered on the sporting action but uh is aware and reflects bigger crazier stories around and about um the dots will not be joined i think means uh not just that there are dot balls in cricket which is part of it maybe but yeah many of the wonderful things about sports i've written for example in there's a, there's a chapter in there about stats stat man and whilst I get absolutely that stats are a really important part of cricket, maybe particularly short for my cricket at the moment, and will continue to be, do they provide all the answers? Of course they don't. And they don't tell us anything about how the bowler was feeling on that day necessarily, or, you know, they, they, pure stats don't tell you how well Jimmy Anderson bowled on that particular day. Any, uh, to give an extreme example, necessarily they will give you some of the information but he will tell you lots of other things around about that uh, you know if, if that makes sense i wonder how you maintain what is I, I think obvious a very clearly optimistic view of uh, not just the world but of your place in it and the importance of the things that you do i don't really care or worry about being judged because i kind of know some people won't get it you know and i'm freed up to do my thing because of that and also that fact that i'm relatively obscure i yeah sometimes sometimes dozens of people will read what i write sometimes it's hundreds on very rare occasions it might be a thousand you know and if a a twitter big hitter because as you know i'm I'm at a i'm a twitter fiend and b they tend to go out via my twitter feed um I do have the, you know, the privilege. It does feel like that. There are one or two really good, proper journalists who think I, I'm actually probably a decent bloke, and actually my, what I'm writing is quite interesting. So I do, on occasion, get that sort of um, lift by somebody retweeting. But generally, it's an indulgent, you know, it's absolutely an indulgence in the sense that probably I'm doing it for me. Plus, there is this idea that I just kind of want to make some kind of contribution, uh, and rightly or wrongly, think I've got some things to say i've got plenty of experience about something no very often i'm going to get it wrong absolutely really do know that um but you go in there and yeah it's just i say it's part it's being part of that metaphorical corner of the pub three pints in saying you know what was other night doing there i just don't get it or you know what sarah taylor what she doing? You know, all that stuff 
Uh, I think that's fabulous. I think that's a really rich part of sport and absolutely essential part of my whole life. So in that spirit of a corner of the pub discussion then, how do you feel about the future of cricket? Pretty good, actually. I mean, on the, in terms of the work we do, I think there might be a sense, and I don't mean this in a kind of uh, competitive kind of way, but clearly cricket has been more able and will be more able in short, short term to exist. You know, it's easier to play cricket because it's relatively contact-free uh, than rugby, football. And I think some people will be thinking that you know, maybe I'll get back into some cricket because I, 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 that will definitely happen that, at all levels, club level in particular, maybe. So on that level, maybe COVID for all its agonies, um, you know, might might support numbers coming back. I think as a mob, Cricket Wales, we're pretty decent at, at you know, um, encouraging kids and trying to plan out uh, and strategize around that the opportunities to play. So I think that stuff is kind of, we're not, you know, absolutely not flawless. Of course, we're not. We haven't got massive resources, but um, the opportunities I think are going to be there and, and well thought out. Um, if you're talking on the bigger stages, concerns for middle-aged geezers like me tend to tend to focus around, uh, you know, Test cricket. Maybe we all love Test cricket, and we all, I think, to a man and woman think that it's probably the best form the sort of blue ribbon ribbon event are the question marks about that or the five day thing there are some i think it's probably going to be okay i mean a, a year ago i was thinking very likely to go to four days which i wouldn't want i'll be honest i wouldn't want i know what's happened in india recently points towards that part of the richness surely is the fact that it's a it's a test over time there's a clue in the name Test cricket is absolutely wonderful and unbeatably so, partly because it can go up, you know, it is a test over time. You know, it is something that psychologically is different um, in terms of, you know, the concentration, durability, skills, all that kind of stuff. Unbelievable. Leave it alone. And I think probably we'll be left alone. I say Meg Lanning and uh, Jonasson and... and, and uh, other world stars coming, female world stars coming to play cricket um, for us in Cardiff is huge. And it certainly, certainly will impact positively, you know, in my daily life in terms of being able to say, say to girls, you know, check it out. It's going to be on the tally. You know, you've got to watch this. You've got to see this. Maybe that could be you in five years. I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely optimistic about cricket generally, very much so. Proudest cricketing moment? Allow me a little sentimental one, if you would. Um, daft, but again, hopefully people identify with this. Last year, uh, I'm doing some work with and, and do support. I'm kind of active with Flannery and Cricket Club, just up the road from where I live in St. David's. Magic, magic place. And um, One of the things I've been doing is trying to get junior cricket going. And, and, and thereby support second team cricket there because it's a tiny place. There is no population, but they've got two cricket teams, which is fantastic. We organised a little sort of second team friendly, just as a softener, a way in for these young lads. Didn't have enough to make a team. So my, my son joined in. He was probably 18 at the time. And my daughter, who was probably 15, 16 at the time. That was just a little magic moment because at the end of our innings, I went in and batted 
with my daughter Anya for two overs and it was just great just great fabulous delightful in in the way that cricket can be right so so that was just great I mean there were many things you know but but that that yeah I would like to single that one out I think before you go then Rick do you want to just run through how people can get in touch with you either from a community coaching uh, point of view or how they can follow you on social media yeah okay thank you yeah I will do that at Cricketman Wales and the sort of corresponding blog for that is cricketmanwales.com that's where I write about cricket or sport certainly the sort of uh, meatier punkier nastier stuff is on at bowling at Vinny um, I started that's where it started actually I, I started the, the first blog which is bowling at vincent.com was an alternate sport art thing because that accommodated things that I was really interested in. I, I started that I think in 2011 and that's still going it's been taken over to some extent or the cricket has got bigger so I'm not writing as much on there but I am still writing stuff there so yeah at bowling at Vinny or bowling at vincent.com go find them if you want shout and swear or whatever or disagree absolutely fabulous entitled to do that but it won't stop me it will not stop me I'm going to keep doing it do you have a cricket Wales contact point yeah rick.walton at cricketwales.org.uk is the email and likewise absolutely be really pleased to hear from somebody if they had any queries or particularly obviously if they wanted me to get into a school or be aware of something that we you know maybe should be supporting that absolutely great okay well thanks for your time this morning rick it's been uh, it's been lovely listening to you thank you no cheers thanks very much indeed all the best Thank you to Rick for his time and giving us an insight into his work as a community coach as well as his approach to writing about the game and much else besides. Next week we introduce the first of a series of podcasts celebrating 100 years of Glamorgan as a first class county. Titled Where Are They Now? These podcasts will feature ex-Glamorgan players talking about their time in the first class game and what they did when their playing days were over. Our first guest in the series is Mike Llewellyn. He had a 12-year career with Glamorgan from his debut as a 16-year-old. He became the youngest ever centurion for the county at the time with an innings of 112 against Cambridge in 1972, aged 18 years and 213 days. The interview is a real treat with Mike talking about his early influences, his life after finishing with Glamorgan and that six he hit at Lord's in 1977. We hope you join us again for that when we'll be hearing some more stories about the great game of cricket in the great country of Wales. Oil Vow, bye for now. story you have need any macrosic gesselty a bossuch mwc pod 1921 at gmail.com nate elkin facebook museum of welsh cricket podcast nate intidalen twitter at welsh cricket pod do you have a story you'd like to share with us if so please contact email mwc pod 1921 at gmail.com or go to our facebook page museum of welsh cricket podcast or our Twitter at Welsh Cricket Pod.